Hello everyone and welcome back to the Endo Chats podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things endometriosis. My name is Corinne and today's episode is with Emma Maxwell. Emma talks really openly about her journey in this episode and we really delve deep into what exactly is in her toolkit. Now, with Endometriosis Awareness Month over, each episode is going to be spread a little further apart just while I get a bit of a handle on what direction I want this podcast to go in. Please feel free to send over questions or topics you'd like covered or people you'd like to hear on the podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Emma. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting. Um, so today, guys, we have the beautiful Emma Maxwell with us, um, also known as Endometriosis M on Instagram. And um, I do like to ask everyone and start off the podcast by finding out how you are feeling today. Um, how has the week been so far? We're on a Monday currently, but um, how have the last few days been for you endometriosis wise? Endometriosis wise, I've been doing pretty well. Um, we're just coming out of winter and going into spring. So that's been helping me a lot with my mindset and my pain, just even having the sun come on my face to like, just make me feel a little bit more alive. It's been making me feel a lot better. Um, pain wise, I would say that it's, it's, I'm doing better. That's good. <laughs> I'm doing better. It's That's always good. up and down, lots of up and downs. So, yeah. but I'm doing really well today. So I'm going to take that. Yay. That's so good. Um, okay. So let's get into it because um, we've been trying to record this podcast now for weeks um, <laughs> and I've kind of caught little snippets of your story and, um, but I want to know exactly what's been going on. When did it start? What were your symptoms? What was the process? Where are you at now? Um, all that juicy info. (laughs) All right. So my story started at the age of 13 at the start of my first period. At the start of my first period, I started realizing that I I was having a lot more pain than my friends around me. And they seemed to be going through their periods with ease. And I wasn't, I was on in bed and I couldn't get out of bed and I was getting punished for skipping school because I was going to the nurse's office too much. So by the age of 15, I went to my doctor's office and they assured me that this is just a part of being a woman and that they're gonna throw me on birth control and it's gonna fix all of my problems. So at the age of 15, I was put on birth control and the symptoms from that were immense. I gained a lot of weight. Um, That is when my anxiety and depression started to kick in and um, all that fun stuff. As comes with the pill sometimes, isn't it? Right, right. And and I was never informed that those side effects could be coming from the pill. So I thought that it was just me and I kind of thought that I was going crazy. So by the age of 18, I cycled through over 10 plus birth control pills that just weren't seeming to help me. 10. 10. 10 different types of birth control pills because they weren't working for me and my doctors just threw me on different birth control pills. I hoping that it would help even me. know that 10 existed yeah wow <laughs> how many so, was that? so that was over how long so that was over the span of three years 10 different birth controls in three years yeah wow I, I found a new doctor after that yeah I was just about <laughs> to say I hope that. you're not with those doctors anymore no I didn't realize at the time that that wasn't normal um I kind of just, 
I blindly followed my doctors because I've always been told that doctors know best. So um, I wasn't going to question them. They had the doctorate and I didn't. So um, I put all of my trust in their hands and that was a mistake on my part. And that's, we live and we learn and it's helped me learn how to advocate for myself a lot more and to say no when I know that I don't want something for my body because I was blindly taking medications for the longest time just because my doctors told me to. And um, around the age of 18, I was just like, okay, something's not right. Like at the age of 18, my health started to deteriorate. I was losing a lot of weight. Um, people were telling me that I was wilting away. I just looked like I was, I was sick. I was really sick. I wasn't able to eat or drink without immense pain. Um, I ended up going to the hospital at the age of 18 when I couldn't feel my legs when I was driving and I was unable to eat and drink for the week prior. So I was just feeling really, really, I wasn't well, feeling well. Yeah. And I went to the hospital and they told me that I just had a period and I needed to take a Tylenol and all that good stuff. So I went back almost a week later and they told me that my stomach was so full of poop, mm -hmm. <laughs> like waste because my organs weren't able to work. I didn't go to the bathroom for months at a time and I was just told that that was normal. Um, I now found out that it was because my endo was wrapped around my bowels, making it so that my organs can proper functionally, I mean, function properly. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. So they told me that if I didn't go to the hospital and I didn't get checked out, I could have died because my organs weren't working and all of that waste in your body is so toxic. Absolutely. So at that, at that age, I was diagnosed with IBS and told that I was going to have to live with a bag to go to the bathroom for the rest of my life. And that was at the age of 18 to 19. And that, that didn't sit well with me. I was like, I know that I can't go to the bathroom, but I knew that there was something more. I knew that it was something more than IBS because of all of the symptoms that I was having. So I was going to a gastro and they started prescribing me on medication. The medication was over $500 a month to go to the bathroom and it wasn't even working for me. And then I kept searching and I went to an OBGYN and he told me right away that he thought that my symptoms were endometriosis and this was at the age of 20 years old and he scheduled me for a surgery two weeks out the two weeks leading up to the surgery i was terrified that it was just going to be another test that came back negative um i was convinced that i didn't have endo i was convinced that i was crazy because that's what i've been told my entire life that i'm crazy that the pain's in my head and that I just have a low pain tolerance, that this is just a part of being a woman, all that stuff that everyone's been told. Um, but at the age of 20, my pain was validated. And I was told that like, I, I'm not crazy. And I knew what I was talking about my, the entire time. And ultimately I did know my body best. And I lost that trust in myself for so long, for seven years. It took me seven years to get diagnosed. So for seven years, I thought that I was crazy. And then at the age of 20, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. I have endometriosis. And now I'm going to educate the heck out of this thing. And I'm going to talk about it as much as I can. And I don't care who I annoy. This needs to be talked about. Because Absolutely. people shouldn't be finding out about endometriosis on social media. 
and and that's where I found most of my information. I know more than my doctors, and that needs to change. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, what did they find during your surgery? So during my surgery, they found that I had endometriosis wrapped between my bowels, my ovaries, my uterus, and it was all attached to the sidewalls of my stomach. So it was like a spider web and it was pulling my organs out to the side, to the sidewalls of my stomach. So once I had that surgery, I did find that my organs did start working a bit better. I wasn't having the severe constipation that I was having before. Um, But with that being said, my pain has increased tremendously since my surgery. Um, I had, I didn't go to a trained specialist because I didn't know at the time that that was what I needed to do. I just went to my normal OBGYN and he wasn't trained in endometriosis excision. So he used excision and ablation, which I found out after my surgery in the doctor's notes. And yeah. (laughs) So you, do you think that from the kind of surgery that he did that's why the pain has got worse I absolutely do I think that I mean while he did what he could like I said he wasn't a trained excision specialist and that is so important with endometriosis because endometriosis can show up in all different shapes sizes colors um that a normal untrained OBGYN might not recognize as endometriosis Mm. so I still believe that I have endometriosis. Um, I have a lot of pain in my chest and my chest was never looked at. And I'm currently looking for a surgeon that will even look at my chest for thoracic endometriosis because every single person that I've talked to so far said that it's too risky and I shouldn't be wanting a surgery at 21 years old. And I shouldn't be like vouching for this surgery because it's just going to cause me pain, but really I'm just trying to find relief. So that's where I'm at right now. Are you and on any birth control? I'm not. I'm actually off of hormones completely right now. Um, during my surgery, I was put on the Marina IUD. And since the Marina IUD was placed, I got it removed probably six months after because of the pain that it was causing. It was causing me a lot of symptoms. I gained 45 pounds from wow. the Marina IUD. And um I just knew that that wasn't right because I've never gained that much weight in my life. Like I blew up like a balloon. So, um, and then it was also just causing a lot of pain. I could just feel, I could feel the IUD in my body. And I knew that that wasn't right. Like I could just feel the pressure that it was causing. So once I had that removed, a lot of pressure was removed from my pelvis because I do have pelvic floor dysfunction as well, which makes it so that my muscles are never relaxed in my pelvic floor so they're always tense and they're always contracting which makes it hard to have a foreign object in your body if that makes sense okay so um I yeah that whole story is just I'm just (laughs) (laughs) I knew a little bit about it already but it sounds like um your pain is on another level yeah yeah um and what are you doing so what do you do to manage that pain? Um, in the last podcast, I spoke with Ali about kind of what's in her endo toolkit. And I feel like I really want to find that out from everybody because everybody's toolkit is going to be different, right? 
Um, I didn't think about having a therapist in my toolkit until I spoke to Ali on that podcast Mm -hmm. and you know now it's something I'm looking into um so pain management wise what works best for you so it's still a work in progress because obviously things that I use for my pain don't take the pain away completely but it does make it so that I can cope with my pain and live my life a little bit better. And I think that that's all that we're looking for with endometriosis. We're not gonna find something that completely takes away the pain, unfortunately, but just we can find things manageable. that- Right, just make life a little bit more easy, a little bit easier on us. So mm. things that work for me, heating pads are my best friend. I, my best friend, heating pads. I have it on at all times. I have it on my stomach right now underneath. Um, my desk that helps me a lot I think that it might even be placebo that it just makes me feel comforted I don't know that it actually specifically helps with my pain at this point but it does make me feel like more cozy and more relaxed when I have a hot water bottle or a heat pad and I feel a flare-up coming on I almost like as soon as that hot warm feeling hits my stomach I feel Mm -hmm. better and it's the same I don't know if you have it but with if somebody else rubs my tummy I can rub my tummy all I want but it won't help but if my boyfriend rubs my tummy it's weird I feel like (laughs) his hand is like drawing the pain away I don't know it's so weird but yeah 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 um I'm trying to think of I mean, I take Tylenol. I'm on different medications right now to help me with pain management. I was on something called gabapentin that was supposed to help me with um, just my muscle aches around my body. And that didn't work for me. So I currently just took myself off of that. So things that have been helpful. um, Magnesium. Yes, I have tried magnesium and magnesium actually does help me a lot. I use it topically, but I also ingest it. So when I was doing my high doses of magnesium, which I need to get back on, I will be honest, I need to start doing that again. But when I was doing that, it helped me with my muscles a lot just to relax and just not be so tight and tense all the time, which obviously helps with pain because when your body is tense, your body's going to be in more pain. So once you can relax and just ease your way into that pain, instead of trying to fight it, that's yeah. where you're going to fine I completely agree 100% agree um so heat packs magnesium when you're on it (laughs) the rub of somebody else's hand um and some painkillers I think maybe in America they're called something different to what they're called here I don't know if I've ever heard of Tylenol but I mean I'm sure it's the same thing that's probably what and you're hormone free at the moment so how long have you been hormone hormone free free for um it's been almost eight months it was been almost eight months. yeah and in- it has been a wild ride but since getting off of birth control I'm able to actually understand my body for the first time in god knows how long because I was just thrown on birth control at such a young age and I just stayed on it because uh, that's what I was told was going to help me so I'm hormone free and it's been helping me a lot I lost a bunch of weight I'm getting my anxiety and depression back to where they should be. Um, I was in a dark spot for a little bit and that happens 
with endo, I mean, it's hard because you're living with chronic pain every single day. So it's okay to be going in and out of those spots, which I find myself going in and out of those spots a lot. But um, like I said, I feel myself coming out of that right now. And I'm trying to change my mindset to, I don't know, live life a little bit better and still try to live life. It's weird. It's like, I don't know. I've been on, I was on the Marina coil for five years. And then before that I was on the pill. Um, and I was lucky in that the Marina actually did help me. And I had probably four years, three or four years, like relatively pain-free. And since coming off the, um, that contraception, my, I feel like my mind has been on a massive journey and I've gone mm-hmm. from feeling like I don't have any control over anything and feeling a little bit lost and a little bit um unsure of what my body wants or needs to Mm -hmm. eight months later like I can kind of tell when a a flare-up's going to come on I know what I need to do I'm having pain most days but I'm actually kind of able to deal with it maybe it's because I'm just used to it and your pain threshold goes up but yeah. I've just gone back into an old job that I was doing and I was really anxious about being able to do the job while I was having a flare-up and I was flaring up all week last week and I had such a good first week back and like hit all my targets and did all the stuff I was supposed to do so I don't know if we're on the same page because we've stopped <laughs> our conversation. We are. I think we're literally, but we're on the you, same journey right now. You get a lot better at recognizing what it is that your body wants and needs. Like every morning I'm now taking detox and de-bloat, magnesium, fish oil, vitamins, like uh, vitamin C to make sure that I know that I'm getting, or my body's getting the stuff that it needs. I do need right. to get more heat packs. So I need to find some ones that I can just like stick to my tummy or like mm-hmm. something that I can just hold around my stomach. Cause I feel like that would be very helpful at work. Absolutely. Add that into my notes, get more heat <laughs> packs. <laughs> um, so um, Emma, what else does your, endometrio toolkit hold endometriosis toolkit hold so we've got all the stuff for pain management all the stuff for pain management um I just started seeing a therapist in the last three months which has been absolutely life-changing for me um she's helped me see my life from a different view I've like I said I've been in this dark spot of like I'm not gonna get better this is just a lifetime of pain like that's where I was at because your doctors tell you that this is going to be something that you have for the rest of your life, but there's no cure. So that's kind of where I was at. I was like, okay, like I'm not going to get better. But now that I've started to change my mindset and started to be like, okay, I'm in pain, but I can still get out of bed today. And if I get dressed, it might make me feel a little bit better. Maybe if I do my makeup, like look good, feel good. That is how it works for me. And that might not be for everyone, obviously, but when I do my makeup and when I get out of the house, I'm still in the same amount of pain. I'm not going to say that I'm not, but it just makes me feel better. And I'm like, okay, like I can take this on. And if I were in pajamas and in sweatpants and didn't shower for a few days, I wouldn't want to be doing the same things that I would be doing if I were ready. So that's helped me a lot. Um, Therapy is a godsend. I love therapy. I I look forward to it. I look forward to my therapy. How often do you see her? 
I see her once a week and we see each other for an hour, but um, I also have her like, she, I mean, I'm very fortunate that I consider us like friends, not friends, but we can text if I'm ever having like a bad day. And I'm like, listen, I'm having a really bad day. Like I can't get myself out of this mindset. And she just helps me rewire my wow. brain into thinking it's, it's going to be okay. It's really unfortunate right now. And I'm, I'm not going to take that away from you, but you have the opportunity to make your life what you want it to be, if that makes sense. And it might yeah, sound corny, but it's been helping me just come out of my funk and I'll take that. Yeah, that's so good. I'm so pleased. I am such an advocate for therapy and it's weird because I have avoided going to therapy for so long, but I'm always such an yeah. advocate for it. And I think it's me too. I know that once I start therapy, it's just going to unleash a whole load of stuff that I don't know if I'm ready to fully process yet. I feel like I need to be in a bit of a, a bit of a better situation myself before I then kind of focus on it. But I have been looking at it um, recently and I feel like it is something that I want to invest in. And I guess that is another thing as well, like the cost of, these things um, can be a real barrier to some people that suffer with endo. I know that the therapist that I was looking at is like $69, $70 a week, um, mm-hmm. which adds up over the month and over the year and yep. just isn't feasible for everyone, especially not me right now. Um, right. What are you doing career-wise? Do you mind talking about finances, that kind of thing? Because I know that it can yeah. be helpful for some people. Absolutely. So right now I'm almost 22 years old. I turned 22 in May and um, May the I'm what? still living at home. Hmm? May the what? May 22nd. Okay, I'm May the 9th. <laughs> May, All the May best birthday. people are born in May. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, so fortunately, I'm able to live at home with my parents. Um, I haven't moved out because after high school, my health did deteriorate and I ended up going to community college because I didn't know what I wanted to do career wise. Um, And it just worked for me because I wasn't going to be able to go to college and handle my health and go to school and do all that stuff and have a job because I had a job at the time. Um, So right now I'm living at home and I don't have a job Um, currently. I am starting coaching for lacrosse with my dad and at the high school this week actually so we're going to be doing that for an hour an hour a day for the week um for the next few months which will be good for me to get me out of the house um I love working with kids so that's great for me um but other than that I had to quit my past job working at a daycare because it was too much for me. Um, I was working at a daycare and like I said, I love kids. I've always known that I wanted to work with kids growing up. I can't wait to be a mom. And um, I just was unable to do it. My pain was getting um, too immense and I can't look after myself. So I can't look after a bunch of kids. And that's kind of where I was at. Like I was in the mental state where I, wasn't okay to handle other people other than myself and that's okay like 
but we just need to realize that sometimes. So once I realized that I was like, okay, I need to be honest and truthful with myself and I need to do what's best for me right now. And like I said, fortunately, I have my parents to fall back on because a lot of people don't have that. And like, I'm fortunate because they help me with my medical payments and things like that, because I'm unable to do that. I, like I said, I haven't had a, a real steady job for the past year. Um, so finances are difficult. Um, I am looking at trying to move out just for myself because I'm getting to that age where I want to move out and it doesn't seem possible right now because of my endo and because of my isn't it right and like between the medicines and the doctor's visits and the gas to driving and like between everything it's so so expensive and I don't think that a lot of people take into account all of the things that we have to go through like I have to pay, like we pay for therapy and I'm doing therapy because of my chronic pain and because I need it and I need my medication and I need to go to the hospital and go to the doctors and I need the gas to do that and I need the money to do that. So the costs definitely add up. And yeah. um, like I said, I'm fortunate enough to have my parents to fall back on because without them, I, I don't know what I would do. It's so difficult, isn't it? I'm in the same situation. I'm really lucky that my mum is just so supportive. And she quite often says to me that there is, you know, nothing worse than seeing your child in the most extreme pain and not mm -hmm. being able to do anything about it. Um, mm -hmm. When my periods were so bad when they were younger that I'd just be like in the shower with the hot water turned right up and the shower head on my tummy just vomiting from the pain she'd be like yeah. we need to get to the bottom of this and you know if it hadn't been for her mm -hmm. advocating for me and kind of just pushing me to try and you know do something about it probably you know right. wouldn't have had been able to have surgery last year because had she not have said you know Corinne I'll pay for it I would I wouldn't have just five grand lying around you know what I mean like right um not in the Absolutely. middle of COVID when mm -hmm. people can't work and so yeah I'm just so so lucky that I have my mom and you know I'm I think I'm gonna need another surgery within the next six to 12 months and I'm really lucky that my partner has kind of said right we'll start saving for it you know he's willing to help where he can the support um, system is so important having people that really truly support you and they might not be able to understand it and understand exactly what you're going through but just being there and having people that are like okay I'm here for you I don't know exactly what you're going through but we're going to get through this together that I love that for you because I'll thank it's you so and I love that you now have that because you lost some friends didn't you because of all this do you mind telling me a little bit about that yeah. Um, so it was hard. I lost two of my best friends that I thought that we were going to grow old together. We were going to have like grandkids and our grandkids are going to be best friends. And we always planned that out. And after high school, when my health started to deteriorate, so did my friendship because I wasn't able to give the 150% that I was giving before because I've always been a people pleaser and that's something that I'm working on therapy. Um, I just love to see people happy. So I would put 
their happiness above mine. And I would put myself in sticky situations and I would be in too much pain to go out. And I had people that weren't understanding of that and they just made me feel bad and um, let me know that I was holding them back and things like that. And, and I get that because they're 21 years old as well. And like, had I not been in this position, I would not be able to understand what people are going through um, if I didn't go through it myself. So I know that it's really hard for people to understand. Um, but yeah, losing those people, that was a really tough part of my journey. And I still think about it to this day, obviously, um, because it's not like I don't miss them. Um, but through this process, I've learned what supportive, what a supportive friendship looks like, what a support team looks like, and how that, like, I don't need to be giving 150% of myself all the time, especially when I'm the one that's sick and I'm struggling. And sometimes you have to be able to have a friendship that they might pick up the slack when you're not feeling well and you can't always be the one that's picking up the slack. And um, it was a hard lesson to learn, but since losing those people, I've gained the most incredible support system that I've ever had in my entire life. And I found people like I've reconnected with people that I never thought I would talk to again, people that I was friends with in middle school and we just grew apart. And then like people are coming back into my life that need to be there. So sometimes it's hard to get rid of those people, but it's allowed so many other people to come into my life that have made me feel so special and supportive. And I, I wouldn't have been able to be where I am right now without my support team, my support system. I'm so. so pleased that you have found that for yourself because it is just so important. And mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, with social media and everything these days, if those people that, you aren't friends with anymore you know see what's going on and probably do feel very guilty about the way that they treated you um and if they don't then that's on them because you're right. wonderful <laughs> you're very wonderful um and like you say you know our support networks are what get us through the really really hard times I know that I've been in some really dark places um, since June, I'd say since that surgery and thinking that mm -hmm. it was gonna solve all my problems and then it just kind of growing back worse and right. quicker. Um, it's a really hard thing to accept the fact that you live with this for the rest of your life. And it's not, yeah. it's not something that I had, I think fully processed yet. I was almost, convincing myself that after surgery everything would be fine and obviously yep. that's not the case so here I am now talking into people's ears with you on a podcast trying to find a way to help other people um but yes yeah, so it's so important you, it's so important but I'm glad that you have found you know um those friendships but you also have a wonderful partner don't you yes um my Dig has been my partner in crime through all of this. Uh, I genuinely don't know what I would do without him. He has been there at my worst and he loves me at my worst, which is something that I hadn't experienced before because I've always thought that I had to put on this brave face and 
let everyone know that I was like, I'm doing fine because I didn't want people to worry about me, but he doesn't make me feel like a burden. And he understands that what I'm going through is really difficult and I didn't ask for it. Um, and he never makes me feel like an inconvenience because I've had people tell me that I slowed him down, that I hold them back, um, that I'm a burden. And um, he's never made me feel that way. Um, and How long have you been together? It's been three years. Oh, wow. So he's really three seen years. you from when it all kind of started yeah. kicking off till... Yeah, so he, when we first met, it was like at the beginning of where my health started to really deteriorate. So he got to see me at, well, he saw me when everyone thought I was okay. I wasn't okay, um, but I just kind of was pushing through because my doctors told me that I was crazy and I was like, okay, I am crazy. I just need to push through this. Like nothing is showing up in my tests. but then he's helped me let my guard down and understand that like, it's okay not to be okay. And he's been my therapist. Like when I didn't have a therapist, like he has been so great in helping me change my mindset. And like, he leaves me little notes and like, it's just, it's the little things that just having someone that truly is there for you. 100% of the time and they're never going to make you feel like an inconvenience that's all I needed so I'm just very fortunate to have him because he's literally one in a million and I know that so yeah oh I love love (laughs) it's so cute isn't it um and it can be it can be really hard um forming intimate relationships with Mm. partners sometimes because obviously I don't know if it's the same for you but sometimes there can be pain during after Mm. sex and it doesn't matter how much you want it you sometimes just can't and Mm -hmm. finding somebody that knows and understands not to take that personally um, can be really difficult Um, how have you found approaching those conversations or how did you approach it with Jake? So, like I said, Jake is very understanding and we're very open and honest because we've been dating for three years, but when all of this started happening, obviously it was a really touchy subject and I was really nervous and scared because I didn't want him to take it the wrong way. Um, right because it's easy for people to think that like it's them it's not it's not them so once I actually explained what I was going through the kind of pain that I experienced he was like 1000% we don't need like whatever causes you pain I'm never going to cause you pain um so he's been so understanding and some people um are like how does he even deal with you like I've had people I had a daily mail article published about me and they made the entire article about Jake and how Jake can't have sex um, when it was supposed to be about me and my endometriosis story. Um, And they like put a picture of Jacob and was like her boyfriend who can't have sex. And like, um, wow, your face right now. That's how, that's how I felt. I was like, God, I hate the daily mail. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was really defeating. Got it taken down? Nope. They didn't take it down. Um, they published it without asking. And I'm kind of still, I, I don't know. 
and now that article is like circulating out there and it was great for endometriosis awareness but also um i'm the one that's and i know that jake is going through stuff too um but our society that makes us feel like we're worthless because we can't give that to a partner and making us feel bad um even worse than we already do because i already feel bad enough as it is because we that's already something feel guilt we already feel um absolutely bad for not being able to be intimate all the time and that yeah. is such a big thing for a lot of people it's not for some people but I know that for me and right. for you by the sounds of things it is right so to then have mm-hmm. an article published that was supposed to be about raising awareness about mm-hmm. your chronic pain to have it changed to be focused around the fact that you and Jake can't have sex is mm-hmm. just so belittling of what mm-hmm. the actual issue is the actual issue is that there is stuff growing inside me where it shouldn't be growing that is causing right. me to not be able to work socialize live and have sex it's not the only mm-hmm. thing that I can't do well exactly and they just focused on they hounded on just that one thing and I'm like well yeah I can't have sex but also I'm in chronic pain every single day and um on a pain scale I range at an eight at an average and like why wouldn't you put that into um I don't know it was like I said it was really defeating and it made me even feel more not worthless I just feel like I'm supposed to be giving something to someone that I can't give and I take that to heart but it's also not my fault and that's what I've been working through in therapy is understanding that it's not my fault and the people that want to support me will support me regardless and if people don't like it they don't have to be here for it so like I've always said that to Jake I'm like like you have an option to leave like I just like I joke about it he's like I would never like we've learned so much from each other and we've grown so much together because of this. Um, we've had to mature a lot faster than a lot of other people. Um, because he's only 22. I'm 21. He's 22. So we're both very, very mature for your age. Wise beyond your years, wise beyond your years. But I guess going through (laughs) something like this, it does kind of, you have to grow up quicker. You have to, yeah start advocating for yourself at such an early age you have to Mm -hmm. research and have these conversations and think about you know all the things I'm just in a way I'm so glad that you found out so soon because I know not that I'm diminishing what you go through or anything but Mm -mm. like I didn't find out till I was 27 and had I have known at 21 do you know what I mean it might have absolutely that's that's it the point of us advocating right is so that that average time of I think it's seven or eight years that it takes to be diagnosed that that shouldn't be happening it should be six months or a year like at the very maximum even if that it should be it should be enough research that we don't have to have invasive surgery to be told that we have this like there's so many things that I think both of us want to do on a level um but I've kind of gone off track now I just got carried away but that's fine um so the toolkit we'll go back to the toolkit um so you've got your support team you've got your therapist 
you've got the stuff that you do for pain management is there anything else that you have in there like do you have a naturopath do you um have a specific doctor or gynae what's the deal i do um so i have a gynecologist i am currently searching for an endometriosis specialist that will excise my endometriosis so i am looking for a surgeon right now that will do that um unfortunately the cost of that is so extensive especially when you're not going through your typical OBGYN. If you're going through a specialist, insurance doesn't cover it at all, of course. So that's where I'm at. Um, I do have a naturopath as well, who I love in naturopaths. Um, I have a naturopath and two dietitians that work with me to help me um, with an anti-inflammatory diet and just finding what works specifically for my body. Um, that's been so important, finding out every single body, every single body is different what works for me isn't going to work for you. The medication that I need isn't going to be what you need specifically. Um, and like learning that through my naturopath and understanding that because in the Western medical world, which is what I've gone through, they're so quick to throw you on medications and be like, okay, this is, this is what you need. Like, this is what you need. And they don't really do research into your background and what your body needs specifically, but with a naturopath, they've been able to do that and they find out specifically what I need. And instead of going on harsh medications, I take some supplements and those have been helping me a lot. And like I said, it's just finding what works for you. But a naturopath has been a keystone in um, my journey, my healing journey, because I've been stuck in the Western medical world for my whole life and it wasn't serving me. So once I finally broke out of that and saw that there was a whole nother world that actually focused on your body and how your body reacts to different things and herbs and things like that, it's been awesome for me. So, so yeah. Good. That's so good. Um, and diet wise, out of interest, are you dairy-free, gluten-free? Yes. So yeah. I'm on an anti-inflammatory diet. I am gluten-free, dairy-free, um, sugar-free. I'm having caffeine right now, but I've cut back on caffeine a lot and I don't do alcohol a lot, maybe occasionally. Um, I feel like I'm missing something. Gluten-free, dairy-free, caffeine-free, sugar-free, all the fun frees, um, <laughs> soy-free. <laughs> wow. And, but yeah, um, I will be completely honest. It has helped me so much um and that's just me but just taking out all of those other things that caused inflammation in my body um I didn't realize how much dairy was affecting me um after I stopped having dairy I lost a bunch of weight my acne was cleared up completely um my stomach issues started going away and yeah it's just yeah dairy is a big me. one for me as well um yeah I've still got a little bit, I still get a little bit of like um, hormone acne, like when I'm just about to oh, come to my period, which I've got now because I've just, I was two weeks late for my period and I've accidentally cycle synced with the full moon, which is amazing um, <laughs> and great for my hormones. But um, yeah, so um, when I start cut out dairy, I noticed a big difference in my skin and also um, red meat, like I eat it. Mm every now and then if I really want it but 
if I, I try and I had red meat over the weekend and today my stomach has just been in bits on and off so I know now that I think that is something I need to try and cut out um probably mm-hmm. the alcohol as well <laughs> I know but but you guys still gotta live a little bit and that's, well, we've and got that's to live a bit you know what I mean like <laughs> just finding that balance because we can't take everything out of our life and that's been a thing because I've felt immense guilt when I do break out of my diet and I do like I eat a cupcake or a cookie and I'm like oh my gosh I feel so bad but you can't feel bad you need to be able to live your life um exactly and sometimes we have to deal with the consequence but you can't feel guilty for it because you deserve it so like that's eat that cookie <laughs> right eat, eat your cookie <laughs> like that's what I say and sometimes you don't have the cookie and like you need to be able to gauge that but you still yeah. need to have the cookie sometimes you, no, you can't feel guilty for everything no I agree um so naturopath definitely also something that I'm I'm just trying to find the right one that specializes in endometriosis because yeah I think that's what I need right now so I agree with that one um and you have a gynecologist but you're looking for a yes. an excision specialist um is there anything else or is that your that's your toolkit so the last thing that has been my biggest tool I will say um something that has helped me tremendously in just feeling more like myself has been marijuana and I'm very lucky that it is legal where I am I'm 21 years old and um it is legal for me to use it and that has helped me tremendously. Um, I go and go to dispensaries and I talk to the agents and tell them, listen, I have chronic pain. This is where I feel my pain and what's going to be the best thing for me. And it's literally my medicine. And I say that I'm going to the pharmacy when I'm going to the dispensary. I'm like, I'm going to go pick up my medicine and I don't use it all the time. And, but it's something that works for me. And I've felt immense guilt with that as well because it is technically like a drug and um, there's a lot of stigma behind it, but it's something that's helped me. So yeah. I'm, I'm just taking I know, it. <laughs> I know that marijuana and CBD oil are different, right? Right. Because yes. one's THC and one's CBD, but <laughs> there is a lot of more research coming out about the effects of both. And mm-hmm. I know that I have been, unfortunately, I'm in Australia and CBD oil is illegal. Um, but in the UK, it's very much legal. Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking into um, the the use of it because mm-hmm. I feel like... CBD has helped me a it lot. Could be, even without yeah. the THC, the CBD has helped me with inflammation. That's what I started off using. And it was working so well for me. So I was like, okay, why wouldn't I try the next step? Like, why wouldn't I try and see if THC helps as well? Um, The CBD helps me with my anxiety, my depression. um, But the THC helps me with my nausea. And it helps me with my aching pains. and And it helps me to eat. Because eating has been such a struggle for me. Because when you're not feeling well, your body doesn't want to eat food. Um. So it's helped me with that. It's helped me with my sleepless nights, my pain, insomnia, I call it. Um, Like when I can't sleep through the night because of my pain and I can use that. So that's been something that I keep in my toolkit. I actually have, I have this little dropper right here. Um, 
this has CBD and THC in it. And I just take drops under my tongue. Like you don't need to be smoking like the typical, like what you think. Um, I take these little drops and the drops help me so much to just take off the edge of what I'm feeling. So that's been super helpful for me. And I'm very fortunate to be in a place where it is legal. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you said that actually, because CBD oil is something that I've wanted to look into a bit more. Um, unfortunately, marijuana is not legal where I am and I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. So we have to look for the, yeah. for the legal options while we're here. Right. Um, <laughs> So I think the final thing that we need to cover is misconceptions. What is, let's go for one misconception that you would like to dispel right now. It's not normal to be in pain, no matter what people tell you, no matter who tells you how qualified they are, you know your body best and being in pain is not normal. I like I said, went through seven years of feeling like I was insane. Like I was going crazy. I was overdramatic. And I still have that implanted in my head. Like to this day, I'm still like, am I being overdramatic? Like, do I even have endo? Like I was thinking about that the other day while I'm going to go get surgery. I'm like, do I even have endo? And I'm like, stop it. Like, Mm. that's the stuff that's been put into my head that I'm crazy and, um, pain's normal and that's just what I have to live with it's what women have to go through and you just have a low pain tolerance that's not true um so just knowing that being in pain is not normal and being able to leave a doctor and understand that not every doctor is going to be the doctor that's for you amazing I absolutely agree I think every single person that I've asked that question to at the end of the podcast or the end of a conversation has replied with that same thing is that being in pain is not normal so I didn't expect anything else because it's probably what I'd say as well to be honest um but Emma um thank you so much for coming on it's been such a pleasure having you um sorry it's taken so long (laughs) um thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure um can you just remind everyone my love um where they can find you because your um instagram social media is just amazing and it is full of useful information so i would love for people to be able to come and find you yeah thank you so much um so you can find me on instagram at endometriosis m e m endometriosis e m and yeah i just post about my journey and things that I wish I knew at before I had my diagnosis and just a community where people feel supported that they can talk about whatever they need to do. Just popping on at the end to let you know that if you did enjoy the episode, please head on over to our Instagram at the Endo Chats podcast and give us a like and a follow. We're also growing our community over on Facebook too and we'd love for you to share your own stories with us and the rest of the Endo Chats gang. Don't forget, if you'd like to stay up to date with the podcast, you can also like and follow over on Spotify and Apple too.